Is Barbie gay? An online investigation is underway. Unlike Trump, it seems like Joe Biden is having no problem finding inauguration performers. And the latest on where we stand with a second Trump impeachment. Former Impeachment Today host, current MSNBC editor, and my unwilling best friend, Hayes Brown, joins us. It's January 13th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, so we have to jump right into this because it's not just my Twitter feed. I promise everyone is talking (laughs) about this, okay, this theory. And that is, is Barbie gay? (laughs) And which is something I've never asked myself. So anyways, it's a theory being investigated and debated online a lot right now. And, you know, I can neither confirm or deny that I've been heavily involved in this online investigation, although we can all make a strong guess. So the source of the debate is an old photo being circulated on Twitter. It shows Barbie seated alongside another doll. Both are wearing Love Wins t-shirts and fans are hyped about it. And if I could describe it to you more, they both have very bisexual haircuts. Okay, you know it when you see it. So some are speculating Barbie is bisexual thanks to the photo op, but there's some context that's needed. That particular photo is from 2017 in collaboration with fashion blogger Amy Song. The intention may have been to paint Barbie as an ally rather than a member of the LGBTQ community. Hey, she's gay. It's over. I'm over this. No, she's queer. She is queer, Casey, because you were the first person to send this to me, but some others did. But there's a Barbie movie, I guess. I never watched it. Me neither. Surprising, because we are both very queer. Uh, we have both not seen this film, but in the film, there's a very queer scene of Barbie with another person who is female identified okay, swimming with it's, dolphins. It's not a person. It's a mermaid. A mermaid, sorry. Exactly. Mermaid. I love I love that you were so like, this is so gay that you didn't see her fins. <laughs> and I would just like to say that mermaids are canonically queer. And I can draw this line to Howard Ashman, who was a part of the original Little Mermaid, who is a gay man himself. And a lot of that story has been uh, seen as like an analogy to being queer and like not be able to talk about yourself and wanting a whatever. So there's like a queer underlyingness to mermaids. So yeah, she's queer. Over. Done. Yeah. So all I can say is uh, go to Barbie headquarters and scream cowards at them. (laughs) (laughs) We already got QAnon people screaming at Twitter HQ. We don't need more people screaming at HQ. So guys, sit at home. Don't do that. Just tweet it. (laughs) All right, moving on. There will be a lot of star power at Joe Biden's inauguration next week. Justin Timberlake, Demi Lovato, and Bon Jovi are all set to perform, with Timberlake debuting a new song called Better Days for the Occasion. Timberlake wrote the song with Aunt Clemens and has said he wanted to perform that particular song because he wants to, quote, encourage everyone to stay hopeful and to keep working towards a better future. Here's a snippet of the song. Because we're on our way to better, better as ahead, better as ahead, it gets worse for it gets better, but better as ahead. That musical performance and more are part of the Celebrating America special hosted by Tom Hanks and airing on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC as a conclusion to the inaugural festivities. Zach, can I say something real quick? 100%. (laughs) I don't think I really understand why they chose these people. (laughs) I do not understand. (laughs) Like, I like them all fine, 
But like, if I were to think of musicians who I think like bring people together that like a lot of Americans like off the top of my head, I would do like John Legend, Alicia Keys, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, <laughs> like, there, there's a lot more uh, bipartisan uh, uh, acts you could go with. <laughs> I do not know why Justin Timberlake is the face of an America facing an attempted at coup right now. I don't get it. I know that he's crossed lots of lines. You know, he's a white man that grew up in Tennessee. Memphis specifically, and he has done R&B, he has done pop, he's done a lot of things, but I do not want to see Justin Timberlake sing this when Beyonce is sitting at home ready to give us a moment. I don't understand. I don't know. It's like, I get it. I see Demi Lovato for Gen Z, Bon Jovi for Boomers. So does that mean us millennials get Timberlake? We're responsible for him? We get Timberlake. I also, for an administration that is doing such a good job in terms of representation, I do not know why the three headliners are all white folks or folks that all read as white. I do not get it. Another great point. It's weird. Uh, Anyway. Okay, so speaking of the inauguration and politics, I mean, we have to talk about this. It is another really weird day in America, and we've had a lot of these lately. Right now, as we're taping this, the House is set to vote on whether to impeach the President of the United States for inciting a deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol. And with a week left in his term, Donald Trump is facing a second impeachment. We are in completely uncharted legal waters, and we have a lot of questions, like a lot of questions. So we are bringing in an expert today, our old friend Hayes Brown, former host of the Impeachment Today podcast, now a writer and editor for MSNBC Daily. So yeah, he knows a thing or two about impeachment. Hi, Hayes. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me back. I It's just so weird to be on this side of things, but it's I'm really <laughs> glad to be doing this with you guys. Oh, my God. I'm sure it is quite weird, but you're the best at this. So just lean in. Get comfortable. Yes, oh, we were like, <laughs> I literally was like, you know what? Instead of texting Hayes every single question I have... <laughs> about this impeachment. How about we just have him come on the show and I ask him in person? (laughs) A little quicker. Better for the thumbs. (laughs) Okay, so at the time we're taping this, the House of Representatives is pontificating on whether or not impeachment should even happen. But we have a pretty good idea of how this is going to play out. The House is expected to impeach the president for the second time. What charges are they bringing and why did they choose what they did? So they're bringing one charge against the president this time around. They're charging him with incitement to insurrection. Basically, they're saying that, look, the president, he is at fault for what happened last week, this attack on the Capitol, and he needs to be punished for it. Like he needs to be held accountable for the fact that it was him who invited everyone to Washington to protest against the Electoral College vote confirmation in the Congress. It's him who whipped up the crowd. He's the one who on Twitter yelled about Mike Pence being a coward while his, you know, supporters were breaking into the Capitol. And so something needs to happen here is basically what this article says. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot of politicians say like, if this is not an impeachable offense, then what is, which is why they went with this one. But could they have added additional charges? And if so, which ones do you think they would have picked? Mm, So that's an interesting question. I think that for this specific one, they could have gone for the classic abuse of power. That's sort of the catch-all sort of impeachment charge that we've seen in the past. Because he did abuse his powers. He used his powers in ways that no one else could to try and stir up this uh, insurrection to make people think that the vote had been stolen, that the election had been rigged somehow. The way he did that, no one else really could. So they could have added that on. They also could have added on specifically violence against the Congress. I don't know. There's other things they could have done, but for exactly what they're going for, 
I think it makes sense that they went narrow and said, no, this thing that he did is why we want to kick him out of this. For sure. And we know that what's going to happen next is that Nancy Pelosi will hand over the articles of impeachment to the Senate, but they're not set to reconvene until the 19th. Is it possible that they'll be recalled earlier? And what happens next once it hits the Senate? So there was a glimmer of hope that under a 2004 statute that the leaders of the Senate, the majority minority leader, could call the Senate back before they were scheduled to. But right before we recorded this, Mitch McConnell, still the Senate majority leader until Biden is sworn in, he said, no, we're not doing that. We are not calling the Senate back early. So any trial that comes from these articles of impeachment, this article singular this time of impeachment, won't happen until after the 19th uh, when they come back into session. So in theory, the way this will work is if they turn over the articles right away, then when the Senate comes back into session, they will immediately have them read out by the House managers, the people who will be appointed to prosecute the case. And then the next day is when the trial itself would actually have to start, the 20th, Inauguration Day. So that is a bit of a cramped schedule. And, you know, there were Democrats who were hoping to avoid this to actually be able to get Trump out of office early. But McConnell basically said, not not happening, my guys. I I don't (laughs) like him any more than you do at this point. But no, we're not coming back into session early just so we can get this trial started. So once they're in session, though, what does a timeline for trial look like? Because, you know, we keep hearing people talk about the fact that the Senate was able to confirm Amy Coney Barrett really, really quickly uh, through the Senate and through all the processes within the government. But why is this process seemingly so delayed? What's different here? I think that a couple of things are happening right here that is basically making this slow down. One is the fact that a Senate impeachment trial does take a lot of steps. You got to get the chief justice involved. In theory, there, I was just having an argument on Twitter the other night about whether or not if you have the Senate trial after Trump is out of office, whether the chief justice of the Supreme Court still has to preside over that. There's all, so many questions, so many unanswered questions about this because this has never been done before. There's never been a situation where a president has been charged with a political crime, which is what articles of impeachment are, and then the trial occurred after he's left office. There's very few instances of it that have even happened um, in uh, American history at all for officers where a late impeachment has happened. So for it to be even like under discussion, the fact that McConnell said the other week that, look, once we get the articles, even if Trump is out of office, we'll still have the trial. That was huge in my opinion. Then, as we saw during the last impeachment trial, the rules for impeachment are a part of, you know, the Senate rules, but with, again, a caveat. The problem is the Senate uh, has to agree on how the trial structure actually has to work. The big fight last time was, will there be witnesses, yes or no? And the Republicans at the time said, no, we don't need no stinking witnesses. And so we just kind of flew through that trial. Would we see that again this time? I mean, I would think so, given both the precedent that they set and the fact that everyone in the Senate saw this happen, except for the people who'd be newly seated from Georgia who were not there for the attack. All of them saw this happen. So a lot would have to actually be worked out. But it looks like it's going to fall to newly installed Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer come January 20th to figure all this out. Mm. Okay, I'll take that. Although I'm very nervous about, you know, another week in between for Trump to weasel his way out of something else, you know, know, right? My my anxiety. (laughs) Okay, so we'll be right back after this break to ask all the other questions we most definitely have for Hayes. 
What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno-history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill somebody. And he started laughing. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant, picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability. When he got a hold of their neck, that was it. I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. How many times did you bring the camera to one the river? Time. Just one time. One time. He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go to the woods. She was just, to all of us, kind of strange. You know how he feels about prostitutes? Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Hayes Brown about everything related to impeachment. So let's get to the thing everyone really wants to know. What kind of outcome are we expecting from this impeachment, both politically and culturally as well? So a big reason why people are pushing for this impeachment, well, first of all, the sooner you can try to get Trump out of office, the better. But more broadly speaking, one, you have to show that there has to be some kind of consequence, some kind of reckoning with what has just happened here. The Capitol was attacked. The Congress was besieged by a mob directed by the president that can't go unanswered. So in the, you know, macro political theory sense of things, it has, you have to show future office holders that there is a consequence for this kind of behavior. You can't just do this and get off scot-free. More uh, concretely though, in theory, you can disqualify Trump from ever holding office again, because there are only two punishments that the constitution allows for conviction of impeachment. You have removal from office, which will be a moot point, 
and disqualification from ever holding office, honor, or trust under the United States again, basically uh, saying like, you can't have a job. We won't hire you uh, to work for the United States government if you are convicted of impeachment. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it is seeming like this is the chance for Republicans to finally get Trump out and just be like, you know what? We held on for a really long time, but we just lost the Senate. That's, you know, let's move on, which, you know, there are now reports that Mitch McConnell is leaning towards convicting. What do you think of those? I think that's right. I think that is Mitch McConnell <laughs> at his Mitchiest. Yes. Like, he really is that Mitch in this yes. moment. He says, well, mm-hmm. look, I'm, I'm done with you. I've got my judges. And so why do I need to keep you around at this point? <laughs> it's just seemingly a waste of time to keep you away this from is my a political very process. good Mitch McConnell impersonation. <laughs> well, thank you. Wow. I've been working on that. Um, so, so, no, Mitch McConnell really does think this is the time that establishment Republicans can take the party back from Trump and say, look, we're done with you. Never again. Yep. We saw yep. what you lead us to. We saw that you lost as the Senate. And Mitch is mad. So I am not surprised at all that he has had a sh- sudden change of heart because... Yeah, Mitch McConnell cares about that. 100%. That's all he cares about. (laughs) Well, you mentioned this a bit earlier, but I want to kind of dig in here mainly on like language. You know, Trump is most likely going to be impeached technically after he's no longer president, but is that even called impeachment? And like, what would that, what does that mean in terms of a pardon for him? Could he pardon himself even? So that's a great question, actually. I've yet to really oh, like see anyone. I'm sorry, I just have yet to see anyone really discuss whether pardons can clear out impeachment charges. I don't think so. I've seen some like banter on Twitter about whether or not the pardon power is basically turned off while he's facing impeachment charges, but I've seen nothing to really back that up. I've also seen people say like, oh, well, if he's impeached, then that way he won't get his pension. That's not the case. Uh, he would have to be, according to the language in the law governing presidential pardons, he had to be impeached, convicted, and removed to lose his uh... pension. So since there's no removal really at play anymore, he'll, he'll probably still get to keep his pension unless Congress changes the law. But um, yeah, it's so wild. So he will be, have been impeached a second time because impeached, impeachment is just the charging. It's conviction that is the real question here. Will he be convicted in the Senate of these charges uh, that the House has laid before him? It basically works like in a, an Article Three court, a normal court system. You have a grand jury or whomever file charges against someone, and then the trial takes place. The House is the one who writes up and files and passes the charges, and then the Senate is the one that holds the trial to say, is he guilty or not guilty of these? So... There still need to be a two-thirds vote in the Senate to convict him once it gets there. So I think that 66 uh, members of the Senate will say, yes, he is guilty of fomenting this insurrection. And also, oh, wait, before I go on, uh, my math is terrible right now. I said 66 senators. <laughs> I'm in 67. They round up. How dare you? I know. I know. <laughs> math is not my strong suit, as you well know, Casey. So they still have to vote to convict. After that, what a lot of people, including myself, are pretty sure has to happen is that then they have to take a second vote on whether or not to disqualify him from office. But that only needs a majority. That only needs 51 senators. And there are definitely 51 senators who will say, no, never again. You cannot run in 2024 Donald Trump, which is, I think, the best 
outcome of all of this. And so like is there terms. a chance that you can have that and not the conviction? No. Or do you have, you have, to, you have to have the conviction first? Okay, yes, okay. You have to have the conviction. You have to have the two thirds say, no, he is guilty of these crimes. It's the punishment that is up in the air. right? So now. there's a world mm, in gotcha, which, okay. you know, but the, the Senate currently divided 50, 50 with vice president Harris as the deciding vote. If the Republicans like turned, did a turnabout and we're like, actually, we don't want to do this. Kamala mm. could be like, no girl, I got your ass. This is it. In theory, again, there's so much untested here. Can a vice president have a vote in an impeachment conviction if it's a tie? I don't think so. I don't know. That's why it's two thirds. There's to avoid having this question answered. Mm. Okay, so I want to talk about something else. Mm -hmm. And that's other repercussions. Mm -hmm. Who should be facing repercussions for what happened on January 6th? And what could happen if people do face legitimate repercussions? Man, so on the one hand, something that we're seeing from freshman representative Cory Bush and others is a push to have representatives in Congress who, you know, push this stop the steal rally in, on January 6th, who basically were on Team Trump and like cheering on the people who, to stop the count in Congress. She wants them to be basically kicked out of the House, which is something that the House can do. The House and Senate have, within their bounds, uh, the powers to censure, suspend, expel their own members and decide who is seated. So they can absolutely do that if they so choose. So that's, I think, the biggest thing that they'll face is the idea of expulsion from the House or Senate in the case of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. But Beyond just the members of Congress, there's also the Capitol Police and the fact that, you know, they were so ill prepared that it was really down to like a few truly like brave and heroic Capitol Police um, and who really helped save the day here while waiting for the National Guard to be approved to come in while waiting for backup. They could face, you know, new hearings, new uh, reckoning from their bosses in the House and Senate. Like what happened? How can we fix this? Because I, everyone agrees that some kind of reform has to come. What that looks mm-hmm. like right now, I don't know. Um, and, you know, before we let you go back to your day job, Hayes not being with us all day, <laughs> you have to answer this question for me. I woke up this morning okay. and saw National Guard members sleeping in the Capitol. Yes. What yes. Uh, happened? What was going on? Why was nap time happening? <laughs> so, first of all, do not uh, denigrate the noble military nap. <laughs> As many of my military mutuals on Twitter pointed out, that's like a huge part of being in the military is being able to take a nap when you can at any point <laughs> while you're waiting around for something to actually happen. Because that's what it was. <laughs> These National Guard uh, folks are deployed to D.C. while waiting for the inauguration. There's going to be 20,000 of them in D.C. for the inauguration. As many people point out, that's more than are deployed in Afghanistan right now to help protect the Capitol against any future you know, violence and insurrection surrounding Biden's inauguration. So, And there are real threats out there right now. The FBI, Secret Service are all worried about the chatter they're seeing that's you know, all happening on Telegram and other encrypted apps about what plans there are for future violence. So that's why the National Guard is there. They're having a little lie-in just to take a break. Uh, I saw a really sweet thing from Igor Bobek of HuffPost who said that he mentioned to one of the people there that, you know, you guys can probably get some cops deployed or something. Yeah. You don't have to sleep on the floor. <laughs> and the pers- that's what I was going to say. And the person <laughs> responded, no, we don't want to risk. I wouldn't want to risk messing up one of the coolest floors of one of the coolest buildings in the country. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Good on you. Wow. 
Fair enough. <laughs> wow, that is sweet. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Hayes, thank you so much for all of this. As always, you help us really make sense of this chaos. Oh, glad to do it, you guys. I miss you. You're the best. Mm, and we miss um, you too. wow, that was a lot of chaos. Yeah, huh? a lot. <laughs> it requires a nap, really, truly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it for today. Remember to join us tomorrow to talk about the Sex and the City sequel. And remember, you know a bisexual haircut when you see it. And Barbie, girl, you have one. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 9021OMG, visit Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Listen to 9021OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network.